podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. Hello, welcome to the official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast with me, Paul Haywood. And me, Glenn Murray. So, the big news. Brighton and Hove Albion will play AS Roma in the round of 16 of the Europa League. It's a two-legged tie with a game in Rome on the 7th of March and back at the Amex a week later. To digest a very exciting draw for the club, we're joined by Paul Barber, Andy Brassel, a European football expert, and Jenny Gower, the head of ticketing and support services. Right, well, Brighton and Hove Albion against AS Roma in the round of 16 of the Europa League. I don't think you could have had a much more exciting draw than that, Glenn. AC Milan probably have more glamour than Roma, but it's still a very enticing tie. And let me just tell you what Daniel De Rossi, the caretaker Roma coach, said before the draw. He said, because of their physical condition and style of play, Brighton and Leverkusen will be the teams that are most uncomfortable to play against. What do you think of that? Well, I, it tells me we're already on his radar and he's obviously worried about us. Um, I think when you look at the, the clubs that we could have got, yeah, you mentioned Milan, but I think Rome, Rome is the one for me. It, it, it's the glamour tie. It, it's the one that all the fans want. Nice place to go. Uh, a historic football club. But also, I do believe it is a winnable game. Also, our best can compete against Roma. So yeah, for me... That is, it's actually the one I wanted before. Um, so, yeah, it's, uh, it's going to be exciting. Roll on March. And it's worth saying for the fans, I think, that what we had here was seeded teams drawn against unseeded teams. So Brighton won their group quite comfortably in the end. And they faced a team, they will face a team who needed penalties to beat Feyenoord to get through to this draw. Now, that and, doesn't, and finish second in their group. And finish second in their group. Now, that doesn't guarantee anything in a, in a straight knockout tie, obviously, in a round of 16. But what it does tell you is that on the current standings, form in the competition, that Brighton and Havalbion have got nothing to fear from Roma. You can't play the name. You have to play the team, don't you? Yes, you do. And I think we've already got um, a little bit of experience with that in Europe. Obviously, coming across Marseille and Ajax, two big, big-named football clubs. But... We handled that situation really well. I think I think you've got to be fair and say that they are two big football clubs, but probably not punching as as, as powerfully as what they have done in the past. Uh, so I think Roma's falls into that bracket slightly of of, of Ajax and Marseille, and I, I believe that sort of during our European jaunt, we've really grown in confidence. And when I look at, at how the Premier League's going to I feel as though we're getting stronger and stronger towards them. We're getting players back. The likes of Enciso not far away. Um, Lamptey back. Um, I mean, th- there's a number of people we've been missing for, for quite a long time. Obviously, Matoma, Adingra, they're back. Uh, Adingra being a, an AFCON winner now, so he'll go into this round with even more confidence than what he, what he first had. I think it's a, a really positive tie for us. And it's worth saying that... The- for the fans, this is this is a dream because the the ones who are lucky enough to get tickets for Rome get a trip to Rome to one of the great football stadiums, and back at the Amex on the fourteenth of March, a much l- larger number of people get to watch Brighton walk out against Roma in the Amex. Now, I guess you could argue, on some levels, that this is the biggest game in the biggest two games in the club's history. But then you've got to pay respect to the FA Cup final because Brighton and Hove Albion were FA Cup finalists in nineteen eighty three. Nevertheless. Uh, to be playing Roma in a knockout tie this quickly in their European debut season 
is a fantastic bonus for the fans, isn't it? Yeah, and I, I also think it, us going into it with the belief that we can win it is is, is very important. Because um, obviously you can, you can draw anyone, can't you? And uh, but whether you believe you can beat them is another thing. And yeah, as far as the FA Cup's concerned, back in '83, obviously it's the FA Cup final is huge. But as far as glamours, glamour goes, uh, when you mention the names of of the likes of Roma, uh, when you never come across them before, I think uh, I think this probably will be the the uh, possibly the most historic two games in the club's history, depending on the result. Before we get into who they are and how they play, let's just let's just go through a, a few points about them as a club. They're described by UEFA as an Italian powerhouse. They've had a significant presence in European competitions, including the Europa League. So they've got a pedigree in Europe, which Brighton don't yet have. They reached the final of the Europa League in 2020-2021, but were be- beaten by... Manchester United, they're currently sixth in the league, four points off the European spots. And they sacked Jose Mourinho earlier this season and appointed Daniel De Rossi as their caretaker manager. And what that did was set up a fascinating head-to-head between two very upwardly mobile young Italian managers that does, Daniel De Rossi and Roberto De Zerbi. And that is going to be fun in itself, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I think whenever Roberto comes across an Italian manager, that, that there's a there's an element there, sort of a different different spice is added to the situation. I remember when we came across Conte at Spurs, and there was definitely a, a coming together. So I'm sure that that obviously before the game it'll be polite, it'll be uh, respectful, but during the game he will want to prove that he's the better coach of the two, especially going into the fixture with what will be regarded around Europe as the lesser club. Yeah, let's just go through. Um... De Rossi's CV, he's a World Cup winner as a player, 2006. (laughs) (laughs) That's always a nice thing to be able to put on your CV. Uh, He's 40 years old. He made 459 appearances for Roma. So in in the old cliche, he knows the club, that's for sure. Uh, He was a former assistant to Roberto Mancini with the Italy national team that beat England at Euro 2020 on penalties. Uh, So the English have reason to fear him in that respect. He started his coaching career in Serie B with uh, Spal and was sacked with the team 18th in the league, but was picked up from that kind of disappointing start by Roma when they fired Mourinho and given the caretaker job at Roma until the end of this season. Now, he's got a point to prove. He'll want that job full-time and winning a round of 16 game against Brighton would certainly help him. Oh, massively so. It sounds like Roma have taken a little bit of a punt on him. Uh, tried to get in there early on a, on a young Italian manager. A bit of stability for the football club. Um, but I mean, when when you look at the look at the group that he's working with, I mean, you've got Chris Smalling there, English guy, uh, obviously been there a long time now. Spinazzola, defender, uh, Paredes in midfield, Dybala and Lukaku. I mean, they're household names. The the, the two boys up front. So. He's working with a very strong squad, and when you mention how many appearances he made for Roma, that adds a different element to it. Because, um, like you say, he knows what the city's about. He knows what the football club's about. And you're right; it is a powerhouse of, of, of European football, and he will want to get them back there and back to those standards. And uh, and yeah, what better way than putting a Premier League team out and, and staking your claim to be the full-time manager at the football club? I'd pay a lot of money to sit in on the sessions, Glenn when 
Roberto De Zerbi and his coaching staff sit down and bring their wisdom and knowledge and experience of Italian football and Roma specifically to the discussion about how to get through to the quarterfinals, how to get past Roma. They will talk about it endlessly, I'm sure. They'll uh, analyse it endlessly and they'll have lots of good ideas. Now, what we know is that Roma pretty much play in a 4-3-3 traditional Italian style in many ways. They've got some really dangerous players. Spinozola is a flyer at left-back. Whoever's playing on that side of the pitch is going to have to be very careful uh, not to let him get behind him too often. Um, I could see a a double-teaming going on there. Then they've got Paredes in central midfield. And up front, they've got Dybala and Lukaku. Now, Lukaku scored six goals in the competition so far. We know he's a, a thoroughbred, uh, and we know that only Aubameyang has scored more goals in the competition uh, this year. So with some of these teams in this draw, you could have said, well, you're playing a collective. But it, with this Roma team, you're playing some very dangerous players, some very dangerous individuals as well. So you have to legislate for that, don't you? Yes, you do. And it, it's about getting that balance right and, and, and that belief in what you're doing. Um, I mean, we talked about... It's a point to prove for De Rossi trying to get the job. This is also a massive point to prove for Roberto. Going back to Italy, uh, everyone will know him. Everyone will be aware of how well he's done over over in the Ukraine and, and obviously now in the Premier League. Um, so he will be going back to Italy to lay down a marker uh, without any doubt. So for, for Roberto and his coaching staff, this one will probably mean a little bit more than if we... We drew a team that wasn't Italian. Um, so for me, regardless of how they play, how to, to break them down, they, they will spend probably longer than what they usually do um, going back to their homeland to, to, to sort of analyse and, and work out ways that they believe that we can break down Roma. But yeah, it, it's just going to be... There's just so many different little subplots and caveats to this with, with uh, two Italian coaches. Uh, obviously the big football club in Roma and the up-and-coming pretenders of Brighton so there's just so many different stories and different perspectives to look at it's such it's going to be a really interesting one to just see how it plays out but what one thing I think is extremely important is the first leg away at Roma uh, and it's about us as a group managing that scenario that arena you need to keep the tie alive bringing it back to Brighton without any doubt I was going to ask you about that because 20 years ago the orthodoxy was you go away and avoid defeat and you try and win the win the game at home and go through. But football's changed a bit, hasn't it? Teams are less cautious away from home or teams with positive ideas like Brighton have tend to go away and be themselves more often than not these days. They don't go away and defend and try and come home with a nil-nil. So do you expect Brighton to go there in, in their, with their usual mindset, their usual positivity, their usual setup? and try and win the game. Yes, I do, without any doubt. I expect Roberto to play his way and, and, and for Brighton to approach the game as they do any away game in the Premier League or any away game that they've, they've played in Europe so far. But there are going to be moments that Roma will get on top and it's about managing those moments. Um, there's going to be an expectation from their fans. They will have heard of Brighton, but they, I doubt they'll appreciate how good we are. And also, we've been inflicted on a couple of really damaging defeats in the Premier League, to name Aston Villa away, where Roberto wants to play his brand of football regardless of the result. And sometimes that can be amazing because you get back into the game and, and you can you have the opportunity to score so many goals like we did at Villa. Unfortunately, it just wasn't our day uh, and they punished us quite harshly. But when it's a, two, a two-legged a two affair, 
you have got to be just a little bit more cautious not to open up and allow them to, to, to score the three or four uh, in that first leg. So, so it's, it's, it's about thinking it's only half time. So let's recap the uh, group stage just for signs of optimism because there are plenty. So some details, four clean sheets, home and away wins against Ajax, a tremendous um, late win against uh, Marseille at the end of the group stage, six goals for Jao Pedro. When you, Paul, when you mentioned those nil-nils, so for me, we went into Europe, it was very exciting. It was the first time the club had ever been there. And I think I think that reflected in in the players uh, a lot a lot of them as well their first time in Europe as as as, uh, as professionals and the Athens game was a little bit of a wake up call and I really feel as though Marseille was so pivotal uh, away from home two 0 down at half time now a group after you've been beat from Athens that that you probably expect to win being your first ever game in Europe and, and an expectation around the place. Then to go away to to what is regarded as as, as a, a huge club on the continent in Marseille and to find yourself 2-0 down at half-time. Now, it would have been really easy for this group to, to throw in the towel and just be like, maybe this first jaunt in Europe is just a step too far for us. Uh, let, let's just try and find our feet in this campaign and, and, and work towards getting into Europe again. But they didn't. They rolled up their sleeves and they showed real character. And for me, that second 45 at Marseille is when Brighton believed that they belonged in a European competition. And you mentioned the the, um, the clean sheets. Well, from that point on, they never let a goal in. Mm. So, so that just shows that, 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 that sort of belief that they belonged in this competition. It's a really good point because I think everybody watched that first half against Marseille thinking, okay, culture shock, uh, welcome to Europe, this is what it's like, learn, go home, start again, have another go. But the transformation in that second half was spectacular. It looked like a coming of age for the team. Interestingly, if we think about what the core of the European team is going to be, the players who played all six matches were Billy Gilmore, Pascal Gross, Karu Matoma, Jao Pedro, Simon Adringa, and of course Lewis Dunk would have played all six had he not missed one of them. So uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's a European um, core there already, I would think, uh, for Roberto De Zerbi to work with. And, um, and the confidence level must be high because if, if you do that in your first ever group stage in the European competition and you finish top and you keep four clean sheets, and you score, what, 10 goals, was that, I think? Um, you can't do anything but go into the next round feeling that you belong. I think there will be a slight imposter syndrome going around the place right? when, when you look at Roma. But Roberto will be installing that belief in them that, that they are beatable, that he knows them well. And there's two people you didn't mention in that list there that might not have played as much as, as what we would have liked to see in them but James Milner and Adam Lallana, who have been at this stage so many times in their career. So their experience is absolutely vital when it comes to to, to travelling to places like Rome and being in knockout competitions. I mean, yeah, we, we, we mentioned the Marseille game and, 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 and having character to come back from 2-0 down. But still, even at that stage, you're not out of the competition because it's a league format. So if if you if you do well from that point, you still give yourself a chance. Whereas now this is this is this is the business end of the competition and, and this is knockout football and those two know knockout football and into late European stages better than anyone else at the football club. So so they will be whether they're playing or not, they will be leading by example from behind the scenes or on the field. 
just a couple of uh, facts in case anybody's wondering. Uh, these ties, if they're level after 180 minutes, will go to extra time, irrespective of the number of goals each team has scored at home and away, and then to penalties. The final, am I allowed to mention the final? Not yet, no, no we don't want to jinx that yet. Nothing, <laughs> honestly, nothing to do with complacency or... Uh, excessive optimism, but just so people know, in case they want to put it in their diaries, the final is on the 22nd of May at the Dublin Arena, the capacity for which is 50,000. And, uh, okay, I'm going to say it. Wouldn't Evan Ferguson love to play in that, given that it's in Dublin? I think they all would. (laughs) (laughs) The official Brighton and Hove Albion podcast. We're joined by Paul Barber. Paul, good afternoon. Hello, how are you? Yeah, when you're, um, when you're looking at Swiss lakes, it's always a good sign. The club's in a good place, isn't it? <laughs> it's, been, it's been in worse places, that's for sure. <laughs> I was going to say, you've been to some big draws in your time with England, World Cups and European Championships. How does this one feel? Oh, it's really special. I mean, just I think being here with some of the big clubs, Liverpool, AC Milan, obviously Roma as well, it, it, it's really special to be here and um, exciting for the fans and for the whole club. So if I had to put pressure on you and say, do you sit there hoping for a, a glamour tie or a so-called more winnable one? Well, I think we've always wanted to sort of progress as far as we can in the competition. And we knew if you get to the last 16, pretty much any game was going to be difficult. And um, we know we've got a tough game against Roma, but we're looking forward to it. And of course, we know that it takes a lot of planning this. What, what, are, the, what are the steps that you go through now to get this, to get this game on? Well, I think the first thing is to work with UEFA to confirm the kickoff times of, of the fixtures. We know we're going to be away first, at home second, which is what we've earned. Um, then, of course, it's ticket allocations because the fans are desperate to know how many tickets we're going to get for the game in Rome. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we start looking forward to the, the logistics planning for the team and making sure we give them the best possible chance of winning the game. Rome are obviously one of the stronger teams in this draw uh, but the evidence of the group stage with, with the Albion's form and the, the four clean sheets and the home and away wins against Ajax and so on and so forth were, gives a, a lot of grounds for encouragement doesn't it? It really does we, we've got we've got a really good squad we've been resilient through some difficult periods with injuries um, we know that Roberto's got a fantastic talent coaches work really well to work around the injuries and give us the best chance of winning games in the Premier League and to keep us in the top seven despite the injuries has been fantastic. Hey Paul, it's Glenn. Hi Glenn. I just wanted to to ask you quickly, um, what extra spice do you think it adds to to the clash with Roberto going back to his homeland? (laughs) Well, I think according to the Italian media that I've just been speaking to quite a lot, (laughs) I think they're really excited about it and um, an opportunity for Roberto to to show what he can do in his his home country with an English team. I think they're really excited about that. I think going to Rome adds something to it. um, And obviously they made the final last year. So they've got a good pedigree in this competition. Yeah, Rome, Rome are obviously a, a powerhouse and I suppose internally we will believe we can win, but externally um, there'll, there'll be a, a lot of doubters and, and they'll be looking towards sort of a known European team to try and progress. I think I think we're quite happy to be underdogs if, you know, that's how it, it, it looked in the, after the draw for the, for the group stages. Um, you know, we came up against some really big, well-known European teams um, and we came through those tests really well. We obviously had a bit of a, a difficult start 
but we got better and better as the competition went on. And uh, although we're we're still very humble about where we are and who we are and where we've come from, you know, this is what we've worked hard for. You know, to play the likes of AC Roma in in, in Italy is really special for the club, great for the fans, great for the staff, and, and obviously for the players and coaches. Looking back at our group stage and coming across the likes of Marseille and Ajax, I suppose that's been good prep to go to Roma. I think those atmospheres, um, particularly in Marseille and, and uh, Athens, were, were special. And our players would have learned a lot from that. Ajax, obviously, is a fantastic arena as well. Um, they, were, they were all tough games. And so going to Rome now will, um, I think all of those games will stand us in good stead. And I guess, Paul, it's very gratifying to more or less hold the league position from last year, have a, a very large number of injuries and yet still be in this position where you're playing Roma in the last 16 of a, of a major European competition. I honestly think, Paul, that Roberto and the players have done an incredible job. I mean, there's been a lot of coverage in the media of the injuries that Newcastle have had and Liverpool picking up and others are picking up. There's been very little about the injuries that we've had. And, and at times we've had eight or nine players out for seven, eight, nine games in a row. Uh, and yet Roberto's managed to keep us in the top seven. We've progressed in the FA Cup. And obviously we, we won our group in, in, the, in the Europa League. So these are special times for the club and, and really fantastic times for the fans particularly. And there have been a lot of highlights at the Amex over the last, you know, um, five or ten, five or so years, and, and yet March the 14th, Roma at home in a knockout game in the, in the Europa League. That's that's going to be another another level, isn't it? It, it really is, and, and, you know, the game's already sold out. I think the fans were so excited to be there, whoever we drew. The fact that it's going to be Roma, I think it's going to be special, and uh, I, I don't think it's that long ago that we were... Apparently, draw draw in 2008, drawn against Swindon in the last 16 of the AFL Trophy, and, <laughs> and, and without any disrespect to Swindon, you know, playing Roma in the last 16 of the Europa League is another level. But there's nothing wrong with those days, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I hear we had some good players back then as well. <laughs> well rescued. <laughs> well, make sure you book some good restaurants in Rome. We better let you get uh, get back to the, the sit down with your your Roma counterparts, Paul. Thank you very much for joining us, and uh, best of luck. Thanks, Paul. Oh, it's a great pleasure. Thanks a lot. Cheers. Well, we're joined by Andy Brassel from the Football Ramble and On the Continent podcast. Andy, at the Brighton training ground, there were whoops of delight when Brighton came out of the hat with Roma. What did you make of that draw? It's very exciting, uh, I think. And um, you look at Roma's recent European history, of course, uh, getting to the Europa League final and only losing on penalties last season, winning the Conference League the season before. And it's a tie of substance. I always tend to look at it from the fans' perspective. Where would you like to go? And obviously, Rome's an incredible city, but the Olympico is an incredible experience as well. And if, if you look at what they've gained from their adventures in European football over the, the, the last couple of years, I mean, it's, it's helped them to fill the stadium again. And filling the Stadio Olimpico is, is not easy by any stretch of the imagination. You're talking about a 70,000 stadium that can be cavernous if it hasn't got enough fans in it. And so the atmosphere will be amazing. So you're really spelling out there that Roma have a pedigree, don't they, in this competition? And how much how much will that help this current team under the caretaker manager, uh, Daniel De Rossi, who obviously needs to win the game to try and improve his chances of keeping the job full-time, doesn't he? 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, they've had a good start under Daniele De Rossi, um, but but you're right. I think that there is a bit of contingent expectation because of the the, the nights that they've had um, over the last couple of years, and you saw that when they beat Feyenoord in the in, in the playoff round this this week because the atmosphere at the Olympico was unbelievable. Now, part of that is they have this kind of mini rivalry with Feyenoord having um, played them um, in the Europa League last season and having beaten them in the Conference League final the, 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 the season before. But this really has been what has given Roma life those last couple of years because, of course, they've had a couple of years, uh, nearly two and a half years under Jose Mourinho and they've not really come that close to making the top four, which is is their end game, which is their their, their big target. Um, again, points-wise, they're in the race for the top four again, but not quite sure how realistic it is. You know, they're not quite consistent enough to to, to do it, I, I would think, even if it is mathematically possible, more than mathematically possible. So being able to go as far as they can in this this competition, look, they'll, they'll see themselves as one of the favourites. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Andy, I just wanted to to touch on, obviously from our perspective, from Brighton's perspective, this is a huge tie for us. From their perspective, will this be a little bit underwhelming? No, I don't, I don't think it will, because I think, if, if you're honest, the, the, the Premier League is, is, is widely watched all over the world. And Brighton are a story now. I think particularly since Roberto De Cerbi arrived, obviously he's huge news in Italy. And before he took the Albion job, there are a load of Italian clubs who would have loved him in charge. Um, his work at Sassuolo is very well known. Uh, of course, his, his, his work at Shakhtar Donetsk, even though that was truncated a, a little less so, even though he made steps in the Champions League there. But, you know, he's someone who's, who's, who's widely admired. Some of the, the biggest Italian clubs would love to have him in, in, in charge. So people are fascinated with Brighton and fascinated with, with, with what they can do. Okay, maybe there's a little bit of cultural unfamiliarity with the club if we're talking about historically but in terms of the last couple of years under RDZ you know people are really fascinated in Italy about what Brighton are doing and has um, has the team changed much from Mourinho to De Rossi Andy I mean it's still a pretty conventional 4-3-3 isn't it has De Rossi done much um, to alter what Mourinho Mourinho's template it's, it's not really possible to to do that, Paul, I think, because they don't really have the time to do it. I, I think that's the thing, isn't it? If you take over a, a team in the, the the middle of the season, you know, you can't put them on a, a different athletic plan. Um, you, you can't really change much in the transfer market. They couldn't change much in the transfer market anyway because they didn't have any money. I think that's the thing. We look at Roma as a historically huge club, but in terms of financial means, they, they have less than Brighton. And, you know, it's only because of a couple of recently expunged tax advantages that they're able to bring in, say, Romelu Lukaku on loan and they're mm. able to bring in um, Paolo Dybala going going back. I, I think De Rossi would like to think that he is edging Roma towards being more front foot because they're a little bit more conservative under Jose Mourinho. You know, they like to get in and battle a bit like a early Diego Simeone, Atletico Madrid. but because it's not possible to change everything overnight and because he's got essentially the same set of players, if you'd have watched the game in the playoff and I'd have told you Mourinho is still the coach, you would have believed me. Do you think that being caught in between two almost different systems, like you say, the pragmatic uh, Mourinho approach and 
De Rossi trying to move them forward. Do you think being caught in between those two systems might benefit Brighton? I'm not sure it will because I, I think what Roma are really good at, Glenn, is, is just playing cup, cup football. You know, you look at the results they've had in Europe over, over the last couple of years. And I think the occasion will dictate to them, particularly in the, the, the first leg in Rome, will dictate to them how they've got to, got to be in, in, in this game. Now, look, I, I think the biggest problem for Roma going into this is, is the fact that they are, and it's, it's been a problem for Mourinho over the last couple of years, because they've had um, not the greatest means, they've had to take risks on a few players. So if you look at the names in the squad, it is, it's formidable. But if you look at the fitness records of some of those players, not so much. I mean, it, of course, Paolo Dybala nearly ended up in the, in, the, in the Premier League. And in the end, Juventus let his contract run out because he just wasn't fit often enough. And that's what allowed Roma to, to come in and sign him. So I think they know that if stuff hadn't gone wrong for some of those players like, like Dybala, like um, Romelu Lukaku, like to a, a, a certain extent, Renato Sanchez, who's not been fit enough to play for most of the season, they wouldn't be at Roma. And I think if you look at where Brighton have an opportunity in this tie, it's got to be the athletic side of it. Because Brighton, like a, a lot of Premier League sides, are a very athletic side. And that is where I feel they'll have the edge over Roma. If they can get the game played at their pace, I think they'll win this tie. If Roma managed to slow it down, to disrupt, to get after the referee, because we all know they like to, like to get over the officials. That's a definite hangover of the, the Jose Mourinho period. And they slow it to their sort of tempo, then it will be all in play, I think. One of the matchups I think Brighton fans will be looking forward to, Andy, would be uh, Romelu Lukaku against Lewis Dunk. Uh, the, mm. the six goals that Lukaku scored in the competition so far tends to tell you that he's in good nick. What's your current kind of scouting report of him and his condition and his, and his form? I, I think Lukaku is probably seven and a half, eight out of ten Lukaku, rather than ten out of ten Lukaku at the moment. Um, he's scored pretty regularly. Um, he's got a good relationship with Paolo Dybala, who I think m most traditional strapping centre forwards would love to, to to play with because he's inventive, because he drops off, because he can find a pass. Um, but I think most people who know Romelu Lukaku from the Premier League will know that there is a, a massive difference between 10 out of 10 Lukaku and 8 out of 10 Lukaku. You know, he's someone who could decide the game. But I don't feel like I would have in his first spell at Inter that he definitely will decide the game, for example. So I think you look at the physical side of it, which is um, an arena in which Duncan can definitely stand up to him. Um, th that, is, that is what's going to make it really interesting, I think. But um, Lukaku, if he has Dybala fit, he'll be able to get the ball in front of him, which I think is really important because... The back-to-goal stuff is something he can do and something he very willingly did under Antonio Conte, did at Inter. But it's, it's something I think people find a little bit confusing when they look at the side of him. He's actually much better with, with the ball in front of him. So with Lukaku this season, I think seven weeks out of 10, you're getting pretty good Lukaku. The, the other three out of 10, maybe, maybe not so much. So it'll be a really interesting battle, as you say. Andy, touching on a, on a couple of English lads playing their trade over at Roma. Chris Smalling has been on the bench of recent, but also Tammy Abraham near and returned from ACL. Is he likely to take part in the ties? Um, I think that would feel like a bit of a leap to me at the moment because he's not had a minute of first-team football this season, Glenn. Of course, he went down 
right at the end of, of, of last season. And they have enough attacking options that they don't really need to rush Abraham back. And I think they want to protect him because mainly because they want to sell him in, in, in this coming summer. You know, he's, a, he's a, one of the players in the squad with, with the highest market value. He's been excellent since he's been there. And in the meantime, they do have Lukaku. They do have Dybala. Um, they have uh, Sada Asmun. Um, and, um, of course, we saw him on the, on the pitch uh, comforting uh, Ali Reza. Uh, former Brighton player after his penalty miss in the in in, in the shootout, he's, he's a terrific sportsman, as Moon and and El Shuari can play inside if he needs to as well. So so they do have a a, a number of different options. Um, Smalling is maybe more likely to play. He's also just coming back from quite a, a major injury, and they love him there. You know, getting him to sign a new contract last year was absolutely huge for them. He's adapted brilliantly. I think he's looked. Um, more lean and mobile since he's, he's he's had a vegan diet, which is something he switched to um, a couple of years ago when he was when he was on the way out from from Manchester United. And they call him Smaldini there. You know, he's <laughs> someone who's really really esteemed. He's absolutely loved by the by the Roma fans as well. And of course, he nearly ended up scoring the winner um, in the Europa League final, but hit the crossbar right at the end there. So if I had to pick one of those two who's who's more likely to play, it will be uh, Smalling. Though it would be quite a comeback. For Tammy Abraham, if he if he did end up featuring in this time, well, thank you for your time, Andy, and your insight into European football, and especially the small Dini quote. Pleasure. Thanks, you guys. Cheers, Andy. Cheers. Thank you. Take care. Jenny Gower, head of ticketing and support services at the club. I don't suppose you're going to sleep much in the next fortnight. Uh, <laughs> tell us about the Roma allocation and what your job is now. Yeah, it's a massive draw from our side. So, uh, yeah, big big capacity stadium. Been on the phone already to, to Roma, to my counterpart, and trying to work out exactly how many tickets we're going to get and how we're going to distribute them. Um, yeah, still quite a lot of details to work out, but we believe we're getting about 3,400. We're hoping we might get a few more, but, uh, yeah, waiting to confirm those details. So you're an old hand at this now. You've done Athens, Amsterdam and Marseille, but does this feel like a bigger challenge? Yeah, I think just the size of the game and uh, obviously the you know, huge opposition, I think everyone will want to go. So this feels like a big one for us, yeah. I guess you're going to have to deal with a lot of disappointed fans in a way. How do you, how do you manage those expectations when the allocation is actually fairly small relative to the size of the stadium? Yeah, I think we're... I think the fans have probably got quite used to this in terms of the size of allocation we've had so far. This will be by far the largest. So um, hopefully we should satisfy more people than we have done before. Um, but obviously the, the magnitude of the game being in the round of 16 is going to mean even more people want to go. But um, in good news, we have a, a really good loyalty point system. I think we've got a good on-sale system. So hopefully people know and will be really transparent about who's going to be lucky or who's certainly going to be guaranteed the windows early on. Any special travel advice or tips for Brighton fans going to Rome? I think for now it would just be wait on the, the confirmed details, which should be out by the end of today um, in terms of exactly what our kickoff time is and yeah I think we will as soon as we know the information about shuttle points and that kind of stuff we will we will get all that information out just to try and make it as as easy as possible but I guess as much as you can book flexibly that's probably a good idea at this point. Right and what's the best um, source of information what's the best way to contact the club in relation to these two games or the the away games? We will be publishing everything on brightonandhovealbion.com so that fans can see it as soon as we've got the information so please try and be patient we'll get the information out um, and available to everyone as soon as we can. Splendid. Thank you, Jenny. Right, Paul, exciting times ahead. 
and around 3,400 Brightonians will be converging on Rome in the very near future. Yes, they've been to Athens, Amsterdam and Marseille, but the trip to Rome is a, is a big step up in this competition. And we've got De Rossi against De Zerbi, we've got Lukaku against Lewis Dunk, we've got all sorts of individual matchups. Mostly we have Brighton stepping into the unknown in a way that's just going to thrill the fans in both games. Yes, without doubt. And I'm sure they'll take it in their stride like they have done everything else in this European jaunt so far and another great city for the fans to visit. That's all for this episode. Thanks for listening to the official Brighton & Hove Albion podcast. If you can share, rate and review the show, be kind. It all helps spread the word. The official Brighton & Hove Albion podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.